0: I have a favorite quote from the movie Any Given Sunday from Al Pacino and he says the inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. So today we're going to help define some of those inches and show you where to win them in some special situations on offense, defense, and special teams. This is our weekly adjustment series but I wanted to focus it around this theme. So let's take a look at some adjustments. So first of all, backed up. I think the backed up situation I see often that I could tell a team doesn't really have a strategy, that it doesn't change what they're doing as, as compared to maybe what they do in the middle of the field. For example, I know a lot of shotgun teams stay in the shotgun here. I'm a big believer that you don't want to take that ball off the line of scrimmage if you don't have to. And I'm talking specifically if I'm on you know the one inch line or inside the one or even inside the two that I don't want to put that ball into the end zone. So to me, plays like a quarterback sneak or a quick fullback dive where the quarterback can turn and the ball is still right there and, and that fullback gets into the line, I think, are perfect. It's, it's fun to see some teams like Iowa still using that fullback dive play. And, you know, that can be zone block. The other thing is to remove people from pulling right here. I know uh, Coach Jeff Mullen, who's a longtime coordinator a number of FBS schools a big believer in, even if you are a shotgun team, to be able to get under center and to not pull linemen here, to not really run those gap schemes. Although I do think Duo could be one that fits right here. Duo does fit into that gap scheme family, but there's no pullers on Duo. What you're trying to do here is dent that defense. You, know, you probably expect them to be uptight. You want to be able to do that. So do some things to get that ball to the five-yard line. Why is the five-yard line important? Well, it allows your punter to get his full steps. If he's a three-step punter, to be able to move that ball on a punt uh, without the threat of it being blocked or him not being able to really get into his kick. Looking at the RPO game, I know a lot of teams run RPOs. Uh, I think this is an area where you do want to stay away from those plays that are, are lateral, especially as you're inside the five that there could be a loss there with that guy bubbling backwards or a smoke screen where he has to step back and get it. You want to be able to fork, focus on things that are going forward. So I do think hitches here, some quick outs to the outside are good. You obviously have to be careful and be good at throwing those and make sure nobody has leverage underneath those that they could take it and walk into the end zone. I think this is a perfect opportunity for a shot play as well. I don't see enough teams taking shots out of this area. Fully protected play action shots. I put them to an area of the field. You're seeing some one deep safety here, keeping that ball to the outside so that safety can't get in and help and truly creating that one-on-one or running something like a post corner that's going to keep that safety in the middle of the field but allow you space to throw at the outside, I think are a good opportunity here. And then certainly uh, double moves as well. Those plays, those big chunks can get you out of trouble and really uh, deflate that other team if you're able to get out of the situation. So as you move on, you know, thinking about getting it to the five, get that full punting range, and you could get a first down or two, now you have a chance to flip the field. And I heard something great from Coach Mullins, him, him saying that offense isn't about scoring points. It's about field position. And I think there's a lot to be said with that. So in this situation, being able to get that punt across the 50-yard line is huge in turning things around. Now, of course, you could take the approach of a a Kevin Kelly and never punt. And he's got the numbers and analytics that prove it. But I think a lot of us maybe are more comfortable in being able to dig that ball out, punt it the other way, and allowing our defense to to, uh, get the ball back for us. So another area I've seen... Uh, I guess some errors come up, and I've had this happen to us before uh, at the college level. Uh, We practice all the time, getting up to the ball and spiking it, and I did see uh, Wisconsin Platteville, and our young quarterback did this for us when I was at Ball & Wallace. Kid got up to the ball, meant to spike it, and he took a knee, and the clock ran out. And uh, fortunately, that happened to us at the end of a half, not the end of a game. It did happen to Platteville at the end of the game, and You know, I get it. Uh, That quarterback's trying to do a lot of things. He's processing a lot of things. He had that quick mental lapse where he's just trying to do something quickly. And instead of spiking the ball, he took a knee. So I thought about that and how I would handle that situation and make sure that it doesn't happen. I would have to have somebody responsible, I think, for just that reminder. And to me, the running back might be a good one in that situation. Make it his responsibility to get up there and be yelling at the quarterback. Spike it, don't kneel it. Spike it, don't kneel it. I think just that little thing right there could get him out of that situation where maybe he's he's thinking too far ahead and does something quickly without realizing that wasn't the exact action that I needed. I didn't need to kneel the ball; I needed to spike it. So think about that, and, and maybe that one little reminder can help you avoid those situations. I haven't seen it happen a lot, but when it it does happen, it's it's uh, you know mind blowing that it could. But I, I get it. You know, talking to my quarterback after the game. You know, he was just moving too quickly. He knew he had to stop the clock and he used the wrong wrong method there. Another thought, seeing too many games end at every single level where I see a ball carrier on a team who's trying to advance it. They've gotten into rugby mode where they're moving the ball around the field uh, with laterals and and not getting tackled. And then somebody's running with the ball. They have the five points of pressure they get tackled and they can't get the ball out. So I've said it for a long time. I think you have to really we say that we're in rugby mode, but are we truly taking a rugby approach? Are we teaching players to play that kind of a game? So it starts with understanding how you need to carry the ball. And so the ball should not be five points of pressure. You should abandon that in your rugby situation and carry the ball so that you it's in two hands and you can easily flip to your left, to your right, or if needed, Behind. Now, I think the other important thing, I see too many teams going backwards. So they will be in a rugby mode, but they lateral it back and they lateral it back and they lateral it back. Everybody's trying to get a position behind the ball carrier, and it ends up that the ball is going the wrong way as these laterals are being executed. So I think you have to think of an opportunity that you do treat it like a rugby situation, that you do get your guys spread across in a line. And so that one guy again, can option that ball to the left or to the right and have some kind of out maybe throwing it behind. So the thing that's different about football than rugby is that in football, you're allowed to have blockers. So I would handle this maybe in a couple different ways. If I had rugby players, I, I probably would do my best to get 11 rugby players on the field. Now, remember, five of those guys, if you're on offense, five of those guys have to be between number 50 and 79, ineligible numbers, right? That was that was ruled out uh, some years back when the A11 offense kind of uh, popped up here and there, but was kind of an abuse of the scrimmage kick formation. And so to do that, uh, there's five ineligible numbers on the field on offense. Now, if you're in a special team situation, that can be different. So it wouldn't apply there. But as I said, I'd look to get, if I have rugby players, guys who have played the game understand all the things to do in rugby, I might look to get as many of those guys on the field as possible. The other thing would be, can I get maybe some more dynamic players on the field in order to do this? Because whether they're blocking or they're running with the ball, you're doing a, a, you are doing a lot of running here. It's a lot of open space types of things. So maybe you have some linebackers who have those ineligible numbers. Maybe they aren't your lineman all the time. But if you are out of range, which is why you use a rugby situation, you're out of the arm Arm range of the quarterback throwing that to the end zone. You know it doesn't have to start with the ball going very far down the field. You could throw a quick pass. I saw one of these. Uh, the Browns actually did it, I think, in in week one at the end of the, of a half against the Chiefs, where they just threw the ball out to the side and and those guys started moving down the field and uh, did get a few laterals off. They didn't get it into the end zone, but it looked more like a rugby play. So then again, not necessarily giving getting into. Uh, the weeds here with how this is done, but I I would think about spreading at least five guys across the field. uh, Two guys kind of being, sorry, one guy put back as the quarterback and and be that guy who could always be behind and, and make his job, that back guy, that quarterback to be able to get the pitch that needs to go backwards. Things have been closed off to the right, to the left. He should be directly behind so that guy could turn with two hands and flip it to him. And that guy can start running to another area of the field and get everything back in line as far as being able to pitch right or left. I would think about spacing five across. I mean, if I'm looking at a high school or even college field, going middle of the field, hashes, top of the numbers, not closer than that uh, in order to leave space. I'm trying to keep that ball away from the sideline as much as possible, but spreading these guys out into those areas. So that ball can go left or right, have some space to move with it. I think then I would also approach this, you know, having, having some experience coaching basketball, almost like a motion offense, where if I dribble to a spot, that guy is going to cut and move. So maybe if I get the ball, I do run to another landmark. Let's say I'm in the middle. Uh, I might see the opportunity to start moving right. That guy who's on that landmark then needs to cut around me and replace me to the other side. Right. So now I've set up some rules into how we're going to move on the field. The blockers ahead of me are just always blocking on their landmark, though I would consider some situations where you allow them to make some calls to kind of X or go across and get somebody there. I definitely would be teaching uh, what guys do with penalty beaters on special teams in order to make sure that uh, somehow that guy turns his back quickly, arms are in the air, but he still may be able to use his back, uh, the back of his shoulder or kind of pivot into him like he's getting a rebound in basketball and block those guys. So I know I didn't go into the details, but I think some strategy behind this, rather than just saying everybody get in rugby mode and stay behind the guy with the ball, is going to allow you to move the ball down the field a little bit better. I certainly would think about bringing a rugby coach to practice and teaching a few things about those passes and a little bit uh, talking to him a little bit about the strategy and working those things. So starts with don't get tackled. But I think from there, you can expand on that and teach a little bit more in order to be successful on that play. Again, it might only come up one time during the year, it might not come up at all. But when it does, it's one of those things that you want to be able to win in that situation. And I think you got to think through giving your players a better chance with some strategy behind it and techniques that are going to work in that situation as well. Defensively, Uh, Something I've seen come up quite a bit is letting the offense score in order to get that ball back, right, and uh, have some opportunity to put points on the board. Maybe they're down one, they need them to score, and then they can uh, score and get a two-pointer to tie it up uh, or maybe get an onside kick, et cetera. I I know a lot of teams have started to do it. We talked about last year uh, with Coach Rob Ash from championship analytics and a number of other coaches is those offenses now are tagging their plays so that guys know don't score on this play now in response to that i love the adjustments that i've seen out of defense is that they are now making sure that guy does not go down and dragging him into the end zone so guys are trying to, you know they'll get the handoff, they're moving forward they're trying to get tackled and they get attacked and dragged into the end zone they're not going to get tackled there Defense is actually pulling them into the end zone and making sure that they're not going down. So, in this situation here, you still want to chew as much clock as possible, but the adjustment to the offense in order to avoid that would be get that handoff, start moving towards the line of scrimmage, and then get down right before they're able to touch you because what they've been doing is getting underneath guys, holding them up. And then everybody's there to drag them into the end zone. So great strategy on both sides for that situation. From a special teams perspective, outside of what I talked about with some of the rugby things, the thing I see all the time is balls being squibbed and then rolling down the field. And, you know, you have to pick it up and run with it then. But a lot of times they'll go towards the sidelines, be running on the edge of the field, and you can use a straddle return here. Meaning that if you have your player step out of bounds and field that ball with one foot out of bounds, he's counted as being out of bounds and there's going to be a flag and you get the ball at the 35 uh, without uh, having to return it at all. Now, I think that has to work with teaching your players how to do it. I would spend some time rolling the ball down the sideline, simulating that situation, teaching them the footwork, how to get that one foot out of bounds and field that ball so that it's not knocked back in. you know, again, I think players have to be introduced to situations before you turn it over to them. So all these things that I've mentioned need to be handled in practice. And I think a great resource for this that I've found, one clinic talk last year was from Dan Swanstrom, the head coach at Ithaca, who spoke at Lawrence First and Goal about winning special situations. So I'll put a link to that one in the show notes. It's discounted right now. You can save some money on that. But I think it's a perfect uh, example to use these things to teach your players. He includes video of this happening in the game, explains all these different ones, and he goes through. He has a bunch for offense, defense, and special teams. So I only pointed out five of those things here that, you know, an approach to those special situations. Again, the inches are truly all around you. As coaches, we have to find those inches. We've got to identify them. We need to be able to teach them and explain them to our players and then have that strategy that goes along with a practice plan to work those so that they're executed in the game. Good luck here as a lot of you move into the final regular season week of your season. and Some of you head into the playoffs, we'll be here all along the way and for those of you guys who are starting to put the equipment away, we'll have some things as far as tying up your season working on some analytics and information to extract from it so you can prepare for 2022. Follow all we're doing at coachingcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K Krabowski.